serious if everything first of all our radio works we're on the air all right. hey there you go um apparently we haven't been on the air so let's should oh. we start this over Let's start this over. Uh, it's the Salt City Hoop Show, ESPN <laughs> 700. Our apologies. We're not sure what was going on, but uh, yeah, we're here. He's Andy Larson. You can find him on Twitter at Andy B. Larson. You can tweet at me at Ben's Hoops. Andy is the managing editor of Salt City Hoops, the uh, True Hoop affiliate for ESPN, for the Utah Jazz. He's also the beat writer for the Jazz uh, at KSL.com. I'm a contributor at KSL.com. Again, find us on Twitter at Andy B. Larson or at Ben's Hoops. We would love to talk to you. We do have a huge show for you today. A ton has happened since we last spoke. It's been, what, three weeks? We've just been busy. We've been a lot of Thursday night stuff going yeah, on it, here as well. It's actually only one week off that we've had. So that it? That's it. Feels like three or four months. <laughs> My time is all over the place, though. Uh, but but a lot has happened in the NBA since then. Uh, we're obviously going to talk about the big trade that went down. Was it just yesterday or was it two days ago now? The Kyrie and... Uh, yeah, it was uh, two days ago now. Two days ago. We'll talk about that coming up here in just a moment. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, some ESPN news with the Jazz. Actually going to have a preseason game uh, televised, which is good. And but, that's the news. That's all we're going to say. <laughs> yeah, but it's really not no, about the Jazz even. So we'll tell yeah. you why that game is being televised. Uh, some new uh, moves from the Jazz training staff-wise, which are interesting, yeah. the impact those are going to have. And then kind of fun part of it, I, I I don't play a ton of video games, I really don't, and I haven't bought an NBA 2K video game since I think 2K13, and okay. I may have even not bought that one, I can't remember. I have 15 in my possession, but that's four years old now if you go and back. And you haven't ever days. played it, you just I had I played it. it one time, Okay. and Trey Lyles wasn't in it, and I was like, oh, well... I want to see if <laughs> Trey Lyles is any good. That was what you were playing. You he were was, ready to play good. 2K15 to see if Trey Lyles was any and good. And he was not in it because I realized, oh, yeah, 2K15 is actually for 14. Right? It comes out in 2014, and it's right. for 15. Right. And he was not in the NBA at that point. And I thought it was 15 going on 16. Gotcha. Long story short, I haven't played that game in a while, but they've been doing some fun stuff. We'll talk about uh, NBA 2K uh, because they released an all-Utah Jazz team. Yeah, it's it's not so much the video game talk that we're going to no, do. It's, at all. It's about, right, it's about the what is the best all-team that you can, you, team you can put together with only Jazz players. 15 players. We'll talk about, uh, what, we'll talk about that coming up uh, in the 8 o'clock hour. Uh, 8.30, you got a tour of the uh, Smart Home Arena today, Vivint. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you... all the renovation stuff. There's only 21 days left Crazy. until they have to, till Oakland Construction turns the keys over to Larry H. Miller Sports and Entertainment. Uh, and then the first concert is this Faith Hill, Tim McGraw, Shimabob that uh, happens on September 27th. Okay. So I like the idea that there's one ring of keys. Yeah, that it goes between like, the guy Oakland, is that who's doing the construction, yeah, mm-hmm. and Gail Miller. Right. And there's just one <laughs> key that they pass back and forth. And if they miss to, each other, there's no way to get into the arena. And like Gail has to make a whole bunch of copies right. for everybody. She has to unlock just, all the doors, and she yeah. knows the trick to that one door that's always jammed. <laughs> so uh, we'll talk about that as well, and then some rookie balloting stuff. Uh, but let's start with the big news, because it kind of impacts... I think the Jazz a little bit, just because Gordon Hayward now plays for the Boston Celtics, yeah. and Jazz fans want to hope that Boston got worse in this trade. And this is the trade. Boston sent Isaiah Thomas, who was really, really good last year. Yeah. Jay Crowder, who's a very solid, plus solid, plus starter, I should say, in yeah, the NBA. Honestly. Uh, one of the most valuable draft picks we've seen moved in quite a while that wasn't moved for another draft pick. And I guess the Celtics also traded number one this year, right? But yeah, besides right. besides trading it down two slots in or a whatever similar it is, draft, correct. This is uh, the unprotected Nets. 2018 pick mm-hmm. in exchange for Kyrie Irving. Oh, and anti who, like, if you were a Boston fan over the past, what, two years now, year and a half, 
Zizich has been someone they've talked about nonstop. Like he and who's yeah. the other guy, the the baby shack? Yabusele. Yeah, Yabusele coming over. Like that those were the two guys that were really gonna push this Boston team over the edge. And we saw Zizich here <laughs> in Utah and he wasn't and he any was good. Garbage. Uh, yeah. So Zizich was terrible in summer league. Just to throw in, but hey, it's still a first round draft pick that we yeah. have, that has never played an NBA game that you're giving up on. Right. To get Kyrie Irving back, I'm I was stunned, and if you follow me on Twitter, you could see I thought that was quite a lopsided trade. Yeah, I'm shocked that they gave up the pick. That's that's the thing that surprises me. I you know I I would have expected if if they throw in the Memphis pick there right. that they have next year, right. you know, then it, I think that deal makes a lot of sense for both teams. Which but is that they probably 15, 16, 17, even right. or, or maybe if Memphis misses out, it's twelve, right, thirteen. That's still a good pick. And that, I thought, probably could have gotten the deal done, but apparently not. It doesn't have the upside that this Brooklyn pick does. And, and a lot of people, that you know, I think Boston is trying to spin it as, well, Brooklyn's going to be better than last year. And I think there's a case for that. You know, they did acquire Damari Carroll. They acquired D'Angelo Russell. Uh, but not, like, a lot better, right? And then they also lost their best player in Brooke Lopez. Like, you know, they, they'll win 25 games, and they may not be the worst team in the league, but they'll be bottom five and still have a very realistic chance to move up into the top three right like that's what the Cavs just got they have a real puncher's chance of moving up into the top three with LeBron on the team and and there are five very good draft picks in next year's draft at least yeah I I mean really the top five in my mind are all all all-star potential kind of guys between Michael Porter Jr. Luka Doncic uh DeAndre Ayton like all those guys are Bamba Bamba yeah Mo Bamba's like could be evolved Rudy Gobert, sure. you know, like it, uh, there's there's some incredible potential. Yeah, uh, right. Um, there's a lot of good, there's good players. I mean, it's gonna be a good draft. Here's the good thing, I, I don't. I mean, I, maybe I'm just hoping this is the case. It happens every once a decade. There is the the Trey Burke draft that was just horrendous. Yeah, and what was the, I mean, there have been some bad ones historically. That will come up again. I do feel like we're getting fewer of those, or I hope we continue to get fewer of those hmm. because these young kids are so good. And in fact, the AAU system, is bad, as bad as it is for some things, it is like really finding good talent. These kids are developing pretty quickly where ideally, and with the talent worldwide now, it yeah. just continues. To, these drafts should be deeper every year. They should continue to be good and, and, and not get better consistently every year because you'll have high peaks where LeBron and Dwayne Wade and Carmelo come in. But hopefully for the most part, we don't have these horrible drafts. Anyway, no, that I was agree. kind of a tangent. I'm sorry. No, I, I'm totally. I, I think the talent level coming into the NBA is higher than ever. But uh, I'm I'm really curious. Okay, so Boston, Boston does this to get Kyrie Irving. I might be lower on Kyrie Irving than most people are. It's one of the things that I've learned through, um, be, you know, being on Twitter and, and just talking to everybody. Kyrie is a magician with the ball and hit a great shot to win Game Seven of of the 2016 NBA Finals. Right. Uh, is a legitimately good scorer. And beyond that, I don't know that there's that much to his game. You know, you look at, A, who was better last year between Isaiah Thomas and Kyrie? Well, I think it's Isaiah. Right. Right. He probably was. Because the one thing, what, what, what does Isaiah get banged on? Well, two things. One, he's short. Yeah. But what does he do about that? And you can be short and be good at basketball. Isaiah Thomas proved that. But his other thing is defense. Because mm-hmm. he's the worst defensive player in the NBA. Kyrie's bottom 10%. Yeah, right. I mean, he's a bottom 10 point guard defender probably in the NBA, bottom right. 15. So it's not like you traded for this guy who's a lockdown defender and also this great offensive player. I'm with you. You kind of traded a great offensive player for a great offensive player. Right. And one that may 
have some ego problems slash may not fit as well into the kind may, of offense you want to play. Have, he doesn't want to play with LeBron because right. he doesn't okay. want to be overshadowed by LeBron. Yeah. The greatest player we've seen. I mean, maybe the second greatest player to ever pick up a basketball. And you could make the argument that he's the greatest to ever pick up a basketball, and Kyrie's mad that that guy's overshadowing him. Right. I mean, Rob Mahoney had a really good take on this on Sports Illustrated that, like, all of a sudden, uh, what made Isaiah Thomas work so well for the Celtics is that he wasn't doing, like, a whole bunch of straight-up pick-and-rolls, and he wasn't doing a whole bunch of isolation things because he really can just get swallowed up with that. Right. Instead, he's catching the ball on the move in catch-and-shoot situations and, and like I say, on the move and, and going towards the basket, and then he can use his really incredible finishing ability and, honestly, his better vision than Kyrie uh, to, to create plays for himself and teammates. And I, I Kyrie, on the other hand, is very much a slow-it-down playground kind of basketball player and and again he's three years older so or three years younger sorry Kyrie is than Isaiah Thomas and right. doesn't have the hip issue so maybe you know long term there's a way to make it work but also long term you just gave up a really excellent pick in next year's draft right so it, I don't think it helps them in 2018 it doesn't help Boston in 2018 I don't think it helps Boston in like 2020 2021 you know moving forward does it help Boston in 2019? Is that the window that they're shooting for? But he can opt after out. LeBron leaves? Right. He can opt out. Well, he's got two years left. He's so, got, yeah, right. he's got 2017, 2018, and 2018, 2019. Yes. And then he can opt out. And I guess my question is, I don't think it makes them better next year, 2017, 18. Probably not. I think it may make them better 2018, 19, because Isaiah Thomas is an upcoming free agent, and you probably don't want to pay him $35 million. Probably didn't want to pay him that much money, but even then, he's probably worth $30 million that first year. Yeah. Sure. Uh, and then you know you're you're dealing with a rookie season of whatever the Brooklyn pick is, and no Jay Crowder, and no Jay Crowder. No Jay Crowder is a big loss. Jay Crowder's a really good player. Yeah, Jazz fans were okay if they could have signed and traded Gordon Hayward for Jay Crowder, not because they were getting Gordon Hayward talent in return, but because you had a better than average starting small forward, power yeah. forward coming back to your team that can defend multiple positions. Though I think we try and pretend he's Draymond Green defensively, which he's nowhere no, he's near not. that. He's an okay defensive player. He's not. Tony Allen, no. but he's pretty good. Right, but he hits open shots. He hits threes at almost a forty percent clip. Last year, at least, he did. hadn't before that, but he plays with his heart on his sleeve. Kind of has all this. I mean, he's a guy you can legitimately put on the best offensive player on the opposing team for yeah. long stretches of games. They gave all that up for yeah, a question mark two years from now, and a guy who you would have controlled for the next nine years because you wouldn't have made that twenty eighteen pick until next season. I mean, that's. Nine years down the line, you would have had to worry about this 2018 pick potentially leaving your team. A lot of those like hard on your sleeve kind of guys look a lot better than they actually are if you look at the stats. Sure, Jay Crowder is not one of those guys. No, he's Jay Crowder really is like an incredible. If you look at like he's like 20th in the league in in plus minus. You know, he, he and then you again you look at the shooting percentages. He's one of like eight NBA wings right now who shoots well and plays good defense. I mean, really, it's. It, He's a big loss, especially that you already gave up Avery Bradley, too. It's it's a crazy trade. And what made it even crazier is that we've been talking about these assets specifically for Danny Ainge and the Boston Celtics, which is the 2018 Nets pick, and Jay Crowder being on the best contract in the NBA, mm-hmm. as if these are almost nearly untouchable trade assets. Because they wouldn't trade him because Danny wouldn't trade him for Jimmy Paul Butler. George, Jimmy Butler. Anybody, it seemed like. DeMarcus Cousins. Right. These names that came about, Blake Griffin Blake Gri- was yeah. floated. I mean, all these different ideas that were talked about. You thought, you can't get these pieces. They're unavailable unless you're getting a super, super, superstar in return because you're not getting Paul George and you're not getting Jimmy Butler or Blake Griffin or Boogie. Yeah. And then they packaged them together to get a guy 
at a position where they probably had it figured out at least for one more year. Yeah, and he's a multiple all time all star, and I and I get it that you know he's twenty five and will get better. And there are some people who think that like Brad Stevens will unlock Kyrie's potential or something like that. I don't I don't see it. Like you, what made Boston work was that they worked so well together as a team right. on both the offensive and a little bit on the defensive end on the floor. Now they weren't that good defensively last year. We should point that out. But they didn't address that issue because well, they still can't rebound. Okay, here's what's weird to me. Well, they, yeah, they, they had three problems last year. Well, here's what's weird. They had two really good wing defenders, and Avery Bradley, who might be the best guard wing defender in the NBA, and Jay Crowder, who's a pretty good small forward wing, def- wing yeah. defender. They didn't have a shot blocker. Right. Here's the thing. Even with those two guys, Bradley and Crowder, they weren't that good defensively. Right. Okay, so that's really concerning. And then they lost those guys. So now your big star acquisition in the offseason, not Kyrie, Gordon Hayward— has to replace those guys defensively. And I saw people saying, well, Jalen Brown can do it. Jalen Brown, I get that his body looks like he's a good defensive player. His defensive real plus minus is way down. Yeah, Jalen Brown was certainly not a good defensive player as a rookie. And I don't think you're going to close the game with Marcus Smart on the floor. So he's not going to be, maybe if they you are. They had to last year, but. Because you had Isaiah Thomas. Okay, right. so maybe you have to, do, I mean, do you have to do that again now because you've got Kyrie? Probably. So he's playing your two? That Probably. means Gordon Hayward's playing your three, which is fine. Which is what he plays. But he plays. But okay, okay, now you've lost Avery Bradley and Jay Crowder as kind of these defensive guys. And now who's your four? You had Amir Johnson, who was a good defensive player last year. Yeah. It's... And you still don't have a rim protector. Right. Like, I don't get what Danny Ainge is doing. Yeah. I, don't, I don't understand what all this buildup was for with these assets because they are great assets. And he got not what they needed in return. And he held on to everything. Here's another weird thing about it. If Cleveland trades Kyrie to any other team... They're not getting as good of a point guard back as Isaiah Thomas, right? Correct. If they trade him for Eric Bledsoe or you know someone else, and and Derrick Rose ends up being the starting point guard, you win the Eastern Conference, right? Right, like that. That's what you want. That was your chance to contend. That right. was your chance to get to an NBA Finals. So all of a sudden, Cleveland was falling apart, and instead of just letting them do it, you you kind of you you gave yourself your own opposition here. Right. Here's what I don't understand either. I don't think Kyrie, even though we've seen him win a championship, he won because LeBron was on his team. <laughs> yeah. But he did. He hit the shot. He hit the three. I remember watching that. I mean, that was one of the— He's an incredible shot maker. It's one of the greatest shots we've seen in NBA history and one of the greatest championships we've ever seen. It's phenomenal, and he will be in the Hall of Fame, and that shot will be what they show. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was an unbelievable shot he made. He himself doesn't make Boston closer to winning a championship than Isaiah Thomas would have made them next year. No. Now, maybe two or three years from now, but— I don't know what Kyrie does two or three years from now that elevates him above the other guys that are at his position, that are at his age in the NBA. He's not better than Steph Curry in two years or three years. He's not better than Russell Westbrook in two or three years. He's not the top player at his position in a couple of years, which you have to be if you're going to lead your team to a championship. And I mean lead, not be on a championship team. I mean lead your team to that. And Gordon Hayward's not that either. Yeah. So I, I don't they, they don't have that number one piece still. They have a number two guy and maybe a good number three guy. They still don't have that number one guy, and now they don't have the trade assets, I don't think, to go get it unless this Lakers pick hits. And I'm not so sure this Laker pick hits. Yeah, right. I mean, if, if the Lakers are good, I don't know that it hits, right? right. Uh, and I guess if the but Lakers are so good— it's protected two good, to five, right? Right, yeah. Then then you get the Kings pick next year, and then you got to gamble with that a little bit. But, uh, yeah, it's just—I mean— it really just depends on how much you believe in Kyrie Irving. And I, th- I think there's a world out there where Kyrie does become one of the top 10 players in the league. He's not there yet, by the way. Right. Uh, and He's a and top 10 offensive player. It looks like you 
traded Isaiah Thomas at the right time. Sure. But I think by adding in the unprotected pick, you did you you gave up too much. And Jay Crowder. I think individually you can justify everything they did. Not trading for Paul George and Jimmy Butler because you thought you were mm. going to sign Gordon Hayward and you did. Okay. So you said, okay, we kept all those pieces. And then you say, okay, we traded Isaiah Thomas for a better point guard long term. You probably did. Kyrie Irving, and you don't have to pay him. And Kyrie Irving's much cheaper now. And I'm curious what Isaiah Thomas actually gets next year. We thought a lot of I mean, I was hearing from Mavericks fans, oh, for sure, New Orleans Noel is going to get a max contract, and he's not signed yet. I mean, you saw a lot of those guys. He turned down $17 million. Apparently. Yeah. But but that's the thing is that we kept hearing all these guys are going to keep getting max contracts, and they never came. George Hill never got that max contract. I don't know if that money comes for a guy who's that small, who's that old, who might have hip injuries next year. The Cavs might be able to get him back on a reasonable deal. Yeah. No, that's, that's true. Now, is that enough to keep LeBron? I don't think so. At, at this point, I really do believe LeBron's moving on. But not, what's nice, you know what the nice thing is? June 26th next year, LeBron knows what pick you have yeah. and knows who you're picking. That's a good point. If you have the number one pick and LeBron says, I like, I want to play with, who is it, Luka Doncic. I want sure. to play with him, even though he's kind of a mini LeBron, whatever. <laughs> Whoever you want to <laughs> yeah. pick, LeBron can say, oh, you're going to add the number one pick and you think we're going to be able to keep Kevin Love around or we're going to be able to keep Isaiah Thomas around and we're young and we've got Jay Crowder who's taking all the hard work off my back having to defend Kevin Durant in the yeah. finals. I'll come back to that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they are like a Golden State injury, I guess maybe two Golden State injuries away from like winning the championship again next year. Yeah. And does he leave a championship winning team? Uh, right. I, I don't know. I, I, well, what if you get Dwayne Wade too and then you're one injury away? I know Dwayne Wade is not Dwayne Wade the Flash. He's yeah. still pretty good. Yeah, especially if he's your. I mean, I like him more than J.R. Smith. If he's your six man. Yeah, I'll, I'll take him over J.R. Smith and Iman Shumpert, which was your rotation last year. I'll There's, take D. Wade playing next to LeBron over. Those I might guys. take J.R. Smith. Okay, but just I mean, honestly, because he can make a three. Although somehow Dwayne Wade is incredible sure. at three point shooting in the playoffs. Uh, right, <laughs> it clicks in. <laughs> but I, I mean, you look at that team. That team is competing for a championship, and I actually think they're closer now this year than they were last year. They're closer yeah. to beating Golden State today than they were three days ago. I agree with that. And the, and the, and they got a future unprotected first right. round draft pick, which is, I mean, that's gold. Those are unicorns in the NBA right now. You don't get unprotected picks. You're, which is why that we love that pick so much. Originally, when Boston got it, we've been laughing at Billy King, who made that trade originally, right, with Brooklyn, and and that's why he doesn't have a job anymore. Right. I mean, and, and is on. You can't give him work. I mean, all these different <laughs> things had to come together, and then Danny Ainge just dropped them all together. I mean, he lost it all in one swoop. Let me ask you this. Do you think that the packages for Jimmy Butler and Paul George combined were better, or this package? Okay, you got Zach Levine. Zach Levine, uh, Chris Dunn, Laurie <sighs> Markkinen. Uh, but the Bulls had to give up a pick. Victor's, right? Yeah. Vic- Bulls, but, Bulls gave up a 13. pick with Jimmy Butler. Yeah, so I, I can't even remember who 13 or 14 was, whatever. It, it was like 22 spots because they got the kid out of Texas. I think they ended up drafting the kid out of okay. Texas. Did uh, Minnesota, everyone was Jared weird Allen. on that. Yeah, Jared Allen. That's who they drafted. So they lost 12 spots or something in the draft, 10 spots in the draft, uh, I yeah, think, to pick him? something like that. Uh, and then for the Paul George trade, it's Victor Oladipo and Domantas Sabonis. Okay. Who's the, what's the best asset there, Zach Levine? Yes. And then? And then number seven, Laurie Markkinen. Okay, Markkinen. Chris Dunn. Who, you think Dunn is better than Sabonis? As an asset? Oof. I don't yeah, know if Chris Dunn can no, play. I, I don't so. know if he can play. I, I do. I, okay. I don't think Sabonis was good last year either, though. Sabonis or Zizic. I mean, honestly, those are the questions, but that's how bad this is getting because it yeah. one-to-one, what's the best asset in the uh, in the Kyrie trade? It's the pick. Probably the pick. 
Okay, so you got a better draft pick, at least chance that it's a better than number seven overall pick. Then the best player is Isaiah Thomas, better than uh, Zach Levine. Yeah. Then the second best player would easily be Jay Crowder, especially on that yes. contract. Yeah. I mean, the top three assets, maybe three of the top four assets, if you were to combine all those, happened in this Boston trade for Kyrie Irving. Yeah, Jay Crowder is a better player than Victor Oladipo. I'll say that, say that on the record. And you're paying Jay Crowder $15 million less per year for right. the next four years. You know, no, like, I mean, it was, and it was Kobe Altman's first deal. Yeah. I mean, he, he, he nailed, nailed it. it. He nailed it. He hit a grand slam. And it's, it should keep LeBron happy at least. And it's exciting. And Jay Crowder and Isaiah Thomas make them really good next year. Yeah. They got deeper, and that's something that ca- that team needed. They needed more they bodies need- they could play. Yeah, they, and it was already a deep team with a lot of role players. But yeah, I, I, I'm it, it really interested to see how this works out for both teams. Okay, we didn't address I- the Gordon Hayward aspect of it. Yeah, and there's another aspect of it I want to address as well. Uh, we're going to talk about that coming up on the other side. It's the Salt City Hoop Show. On Be sure to have the right one for you. Back to the analytics, opinions, and best breakdown of the Utah Jazz and the NBA. This is Salt City Hoops on Utah's number one sports talk, ESPN 700. Salt City Hoops show, ESPN 700. He's Andy Larson. I'm Ben Anderson. Find him on Twitter at Andy B. Larson or tweet at me at Ben's Hoops. You can also give us a call, 877-353-0700. Talking everything in the NBA. Uh, We've been talking a lot about the Kyrie, uh, Isaiah Thomas trade. We talked about it all through the break, too. You and I very clearly think that Cleveland won this trade hands down. And yeah. I, look, it, it'd be nice to be able to look at things in a vacuum and say, well, it doesn't matter who they're going into play with. But players get better when they go and play with LeBron. Like Your, your life just gets easier. Your job yeah. gets easier. Think about how many guys he's given NBA careers to. Right. Right? Like Booby Gibson. Right. Mo Damon Williams, Jones, him right. and you know the difference between Mo Williams when he was there right. and when LeBron was there is is and wasn't there is is a big big difference. Right. And then you look at Kyrie and he's he's asking to be the man. Okay. You were sixth in the league last year in terms of field goal attempts. You can't get more shots right. than that. Right. There's there's literally not what, unless fi- you're Russell how, Westbrook. There's fi- and and he probably had to take those shots. Yeah. You know, he Russ had to get those types of looks up. I mean, he had to take so many bad shots, and they weren't really competitive for anything last year. No. Yeah, it's hard to be on a good team and take more shots than that. In fact, there, there's almost no way to do it. Yeah, I mean, really, so, and everyone else who's, you know, Russell is, is by far and away the guy who's taking the most shots right. ever. You know, fine. DeMar DeRozan, second at 20.9. That's one more shot per game than Kyrie. Yeah, and also understand, Russ's shots next year— Drop back five because they go to Paul George. Right. I mean, he very much regresses to the mean of great scorers by yeah. taking under 20 again next year, most likely. Right. And oh, I just don't, like, you just can't take that many more than 20 shots per game. Right. It, it really does make me, like, question what Kyrie is thinking. Okay. Here's what I want. Here are a couple things I want to talk about. First of all, what does this do for Boston? I thought Boston was really good next year. And, and what was so interesting about Boston was that they had this 2018 pick. Mm-hmm. They had the first overall pick this year. We didn't know at that point that that's what it was going to be, but they had the opportunity to get it. Either they trade it and get a great player back, or they keep it and draft a great player, right. which is fine. And really, the idea was if you get the number one or number two pick, you've got it made. Why? 
because you can replace Isaiah Thomas with a cheap option for eight years. Yeah, you get Markel Fultz or you get Lonzo, Lonzo Ball. Ball, who look like transcendent point guards right. that you could have had for no money. That, right, and you don't have to trade next year's pick. You don't have to right. trade Isaiah Thomas. You, know, you, you can don't trade have to Isaiah trade Thomas Jake now Crowder. if you want to. Sure. You can go trade Isaiah Thomas on his contract, which is also great, and team him because his contract right now is really low. Yeah. He's going to get overpaid million next year. year. But you team him with Jay Crowder or with that pick. And you get a great piece back, and then all you have Alonzo Ball or a Markel Fultz. You have Gordon Hayward, who you pretty much had to have assumed you were going to sign because you Either didn't way. make deals for Jimmy Butler or Paul George. You did end up getting him. Yep. And then you've still got some of these other pieces, like this future 2018 Nets draft pick. And look, if you need to trade Avery Bradley to open up the cap space, you can do better if you if you right. do it earlier. Or you don't even or you, have to trade him. You don't have to. Right. Okay, that makes more sense to me, especially if you're trying to compete in 2019 cuz you're not better than Golden State is now. No. And you're not better than Cleveland is right now. No. I don't get what they did. <laughs> I don't get what Danny Ainge did. So this idea that you could put these things in a vacuum independently, you can probably justify them. But you just gave LeBron more firepower and here's what I here's what I really wonder about. What if they what if the Cavs say, "You know what? We're going to go all in one final push. We know LeBron's gone." We want to give him one more reason to stay, and we think we can win a championship because this player became available, and we can package the 2018 pick and Kevin Love and his $20 million con- contract together and go and trade for this other superstar who's available out there. Okay, who? what kind of player are we thinking here? Well, let's say Paul George becomes available because the Thunder say, you know what, he's gone. We know he's going to the Lakers. We know LeBron's going to the Lakers too. Can you imagine if if you're the Pacers in that situation, by the way? You just oh, traded yeah. Paul George for Oladipo, and then all of a sudden the Thunder can flip him for Brooklyn's number one. Brooklyn's number one and Kevin Love. And Kevin Love. Right. <laughs> Who's an all-star <laughs> level player. And that's, I don't uh, think that's crazy. I don't think that's that crazy. I, uh, I'm not betting on it happening, but I don't think it's insanely crazy to where it couldn't happen. I mean, they could make a move like that coming up at the trade deadline if someone says, yeah, we, we need to get rid of Boogie Cousins. You're not going to get Anthony Davis, but you could get a player – that's a really high-level top 25 player for that combination or top 20 player potentially for that combination, even if it's on a rental. Now, I wouldn't agree with the Cavs doing it. I would say, you know, kind of save your pieces, continue to build long-term. Yeah. It's better to have that. But I- I've also never really rooted for a team that had a logistic, uh, a legitimate shot three months from now to win a championship. And right. you can do that in February if you're the Cavs. Are you, are you, uh, here's a crazy idea. Go for Chris Paul. Right. Trade trade Brooklyn number one for Chris Paul. I mean, that's probably already an overpay, given that Chris Paul is a free agent next right. year. And then you get the banana boat crew literally together, you know. Right. And you honestly are, again, probably not the best team in the league, but you're you're close. And if you get either Carmelo or Dwayne Wade, as you mentioned, as a buyout, you're yeah. a good basketball team. You're really you're good, great. and they have that potential. Yeah, that could happen. So I, I, there is a lot here for the Cavaliers that I like. Uh, now you got to make weird. the salaries match. So yeah, you have to give up Kevin Love, or you have to give up. Well, you could trade out Tristan Thompson if you wanted to. You know, they have right. so many player pieces that make money that you're probably okay. Uh, Boston, th- think about it this way: last year their starting lineup was what Isaiah Thomas, uh-huh. Avery Bradley, Jay Crowder, Amir Johnson, Al Horford. Yeah, is that their starting five? Yeah, Al Horford still on that team. Of those five, that's it. They only have four players left on their entire roster that are. From last year, a team that went to the Eastern Conference Finals. And kind of had something. Yeah. Like, it felt like they had something real there. That team clicked together. Culturally, at least from the outside, right. I like that team. 
I like the way Bradley and Isaiah Thomas and and Jay Crowder seemed to get along. I mean, that that seemed like a trio that made sense. That seemed like a core that made sense going forward. We don't know if this core makes sense. Kyrie Irving. Who's your two? Uh, either Marcus Smart or Gordon Hayward. Okay, who's your three? Probably Gordon Hayward. Or Jalen Brown. Or Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum. Or Jason Tatum, which are big question marks. Jalen Brown had some really bright spots last year. And yeah. Jason Tatum might be able to really score. Right. But they're young. But you don't need scoring anymore. Right. You've got Kyrie and you've got Gordon Hayward. Yeah. Who's your power forward? Uh, probably Marcus Morris. <laughs> okay. He's not bad. Don't get me wrong. No, that's, Marcus that's, Morris isn't bad. He's is no Marcus, Morris, Marcus Morris better or worse than Amir Johnson? He's better. Yeah. I think he's better. Agreed. He's definitely better. Uh, and then Horford, who it's was good. He's, <laughs> yeah. he's not who he was in Atlanta. Right. I just, I don't know if I love that. And then their bench is questionable, too. Their bench is, that's the downgrade is the bench. The, you know, you don't have a Linux anymore. That's a big loss right. in my mind. You don't have Jarebko, that's fine. Uh, you don't have Avery Bradley. You don't have Jay Crowder. You don't have, uh, it's, I guess, Terry Rozier is still in this in this roster. They've got one spot uh, open still to go sign a player. But who's okay. available? I mean, you're not going to get Nerlens Noel, I don't think. No, you, you have to sign a minimum guy. Right. So, yeah, you're talking about, uh, what, what's the name we were just talking about in the last segment? Allen from uh, Memphis. Tony Allen? Tony Allen. Okay. You go out and get a guy to play some defense so Great. Gordon Hayward doesn't have to. I, I That makes sense to me. Yeah. You're still not a good you're rebounding team. team. Yeah. You're still not a shot blocking team. There are real questions about this team that Boston made these weird moves for that I don't know if Boston guaranteed is better in 2019 or 2020 when they could realistically be competing for a championship with all of their assets they had six months ago that I thought could have propelled them to competing for a championship in 2020. And I don't know if anything I'm seeing right now says they're going to be competing for a championship in 2020 because they have Gordon Hayward and Kyrie Irving. And you and I know Gordon Hayward, what he can do on the floor as well as anybody. Yeah. You know, and we're fans of Gordon Hayward. Like I think Gordon Hayward's legitimately knocking on that door of top 20 player in the NBA. Gordon Hayward's the best player on that team. He's probably better than Kyrie. All around, both sides of the floor, he's probably better than Kyrie. He's not going to get as many shots as Kyrie. I... I'm really curious about how that duo gets along with each other. Right, because Gordon Hayward just signed a deal with Boston to become a bigger name. Higher profile. Right. Higher profile, get more touches, become an all-star in the East, you know, all that kind of stuff. And he will. He'll still be an all-star in the East. He's no longer the star of that team, though. Right. NBC, or not NBC, ABC, when they show the the Boston Celtics little logo at the bottom, Kyrie's standing next to it. Yeah. Gordon Hayward's not there anymore. Gordon Hayward left. He was the man in Utah to go play for a team that's going to be good, but certainly is going to have a lot of flaws, and Gordon Hayward's going to know what those flaws are really quickly. I do wonder what Gordon thinks of it, because, I mean, on the other hand, you do have Kyrie locked up for two years, so that, you know, that is, you're going to play with a good point guard for longer than what he thought. Uh, But, like I say, Kyrie's just a completely different kind of player. I don't know if Kyrie how he gets his shots. Gets you closer to winning a championship than Isaiah Thomas did. Which is crazy because he's won one, but yeah, I agree with you. He won one, yeah, because he played with LeBron. Right. I just, <laughs> I, LeBron I hate James. to not be able to move past that point, but if you're not a top five player in the NBA or top ten player in the NBA, really, yeah. and if you're a top ten player, you better be teamed with another top ten player to even be in the conversation. Because Russ is a top five player, probably. Mm-hmm. Russell Westbrook is. Paul George is probably top fifteen, top ten, depending yeah. on him if he's healthy. They're not even close to winning a championship. No. I mean, they're not even close. That's because the Warriors have two of the top three. Right? They're not even close to the Cavs, though. Right. 
mean, that's that's just because they have LeBron. You could have had Derrick Rose in that starting lineup, and I probably would have still taken the Cavs in that lineup with J.R. Really? Smith and Kevin Love. Over what the Celtics put together. No, over, no, over, I'm talking about the, uh, the, uh, uh, Oklahoma City Thunder. Oh, okay. Got Russ it. and Paul George with two top 15 players, and one of them's legitimately a top five player and an MVP, won the MVP last year. I wouldn't take them over the Cavs team without Isaiah Thomas or yeah. Kyrie Irving. Right. I, They've I'm got two top 15 players. One of them's top five, and they're not a top three team in the league. I think Kevin Love is really good. So like Kevin Love is really good. Absolutely. I think he's top 30. So, you know. But, I, but you have to understand that's that's how high the elite are so elite right now in the NBA. That's why they've been to back to back to back championships and are going to be in back to back to back to back championships barring an injury to LeBron James. I mean, what LeBron's Boston been what did, in seven straight NBA finals? Yeah. I mean, it's it's, it's unreal how good that guy is. <laughs> it's cr- and that that's what I mean. Boston has two top 20 guys now and maybe two top 15 guys if you really like Kyrie and you really believe in Gordon. And they're not even close, I don't think. I mean, they're not even close with that. Right. I mean, they might be the fourth best team in the NBA, third best team in the NBA. Maybe they are. And they're still so far back of those other teams. Right. I, yeah. I don't know why you mortgage your future and all these assets that you have on pieces like Jay Crowder that are signed through, what, 2019, 2020? Yeah. It's a great contract. 2018 pick. That's the best contract in the NBA. That 2018 Nets pick was the single best long-term asset in the NBA right now. Yeah. And they gave them both up. I just don't. I it's, don't it's understand what they did. It's very, very For silly. Kyrie Irving, who's really, really good. He's not impossible to replace. In fact, would you be surprised if in three years Markel Fultz is better than Kyrie Irving or no. Lonzo Ball is better than Kyrie Irving? No. Two no, years? I actually think like Markel may become Kyrie. Exactly. It's exactly because, who he's going to be. Yeah. Or Damian Lillard or whatever. Yeah. I mean, he's that type of guy. And we don't even know what Kyrie is when he's not playing next to LeBron. We kind of have an idea. He did. He was did not it good for three years, <laughs> right? And they won twenty games good. every year. Oh, I, we got to talk some jazz after this. We, but like, I mean, this is the, the interesting thing is, is Gordon Hayward left to become the guy, and he's not the guy. Mm-hmm. And he left to join a better team. And I don't know if that Boston team is better, even after they used all their assets, than they would have been otherwise. Hey. This jazz fans who are vindictive and are angry at Gordon Hayward might end up getting the last laugh here. And I didn't think they would. Three weeks ago. Right. Because and three weeks ago, it looked like the Cavs were falling apart and the Boston Celtics would be in the NBA Finals. You could hear a lot. I could hear potentially a lot of internal strife with this Boston team, especially because we've talked about these fans. Now, we had when Zach used to be on the show with us, Zach Harper, he said, you know, the Boston fans are really diehards and they're supportive of their guys. They're not, that, they're not Philly where they're hard on their team. No. But if now you traded Isaiah Thomas, who everyone loved, and Jay Crowder and Avery Bradley, those are guys that a city loves. Mm-hmm. Those guys are gone, and if Boston's not better next year, they're looking at two people. Well, three. Danny Ainge, Kyrie Irving, and Gordon Hayward. Yep. That's, those are the three they're going to blame. So, Anyways, we need to talk some jazz, as you said. We're going to on the other side. Jazz makes some interesting moves uh, moving on training staff. We're going to talk about that coming up, what potential that could mean for the Utah Jazz. Andy also got to pass through the new arena. We'll tell you some updates that they've got. Stick around. ESPN 700, the home of the Utes. The home of the best Utah Jazz and NBA breakdown is right here. This is Salt City Hoops on Utah's number one sports talk, ESPN 700. Salt City Hoops show, ESPN 700. He's Andy Larson. I'm Ben Anderson. I could talk about the Isaiah trade for the next two hours. Yeah, I mean, really, we really did, just did during the break with uh, the... JP. Ha- yeah, with JP, the Hackett and, uh, and Gunther, Gunther producer. producer and Gunther we and love Hackett. JP, but yeah, sure however you say that straight. Uh, uh, I learned that the hard way. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, yeah, JP. No, JP's the man. Yeah. Mr. Chunga. 
uh, and but we got he was pro Boston. He was pro Boston, crazy, which is great. The crazy person. Uh, anyway, let's do some jazz news. Okay, uh, we're gonna bust through this. We got a, a, about five minutes. Stick with us, and we got a, a whole another second hour. So you yes. really want to stick around? Uh, ESPN televising the Jazz final preseason game against the Los Angeles Lakers because Lonzo Ball is already one of the best, most viewable players in the NBA, and I have a hard time arguing with him. And the Lakers have the fifth most NBA. TV regular season games, yep. uh, national TV, not just the local NBA TV channel. But, uh, but that's awesome. I, I yeah. want a. I'm going to watch Lonzo Ball and Kyle Kuzma if I'm a Utah guy. B. Quite frankly, it makes it more likely that you'll be able to see that game on TV because the Jazz haven't always sent uh, their TV crews to preseason games on the road in the past. Jeff Withy stealing money out of the pocket of Nerlens Noel, signing with the <laughs> Dallas Mavericks as their backup center, just in case they don't end up signing Nerlens Noel. And that's, I like Jeff Withy. And is like 80% of Nerlens Noel. He's a good player. It's, it's so weird. This is just the bias we have now against seven-footers that play like seven-footers in the NBA. And I'm not saying you're wrong to not sign those guys. But Jeff Withy is a really good player. Yeah, Jeff Withy would have made $10 million a year you yeah. know, in 10, 10 years, years ago, ago, 15 years ago. Yeah, yeah. Jeff Withy's a really good player. You look at player. the kind of centers that got money like Eric Dampier, for example, with these yeah. same Dallas Mavericks. Right. Uh, Jeff Withy could have gotten that money you know, in the right time in the right era. Uh, but he'll stick around for 10 years and end up with a good he'll, – he'll be around for a long time. Jeff Withy's a good player. Yeah. I think he's, he sticks around for a long time. Uh, Martin Schiller uh, named a coach now for the uh, the league. Yeah, a whole <laughs> – the league, I like that. So it was uh, called? Sure. The G yeah. League. Oh. Uh, there's a whole bunch of weird stars news. Uh, I, not weird, but uh, former Jazz PR director Jonathan Reinhardt was named president of Which, the team yesterday. Jonathan's Great. awesome. We like Jonathan. Uh, Martin Schiller, German national team coach. Yeah, t- uh, talk. I, I hate talk about, but let's talk about, and by that I mean you you do it because you know okay. more about him, why it's such a big deal internationally. To hire Martin Schiller? Martin Schiller. Uh, I, I don't know that it is. Like He's the sixth international coach in G League history, so it's not like you're breaking ground there, but I, I think it's nice to have that international coaching uh, influence in, in the D League, and I think clearly the Jazz are moving towards that direction with their player personnel signings, and they've always used the as the G League as as their like training ground, right? From their my understanding, ground. Schiller is very well connected in Europe. Yes, more so than just just because you would bring in a guy who's coached in Europe the way Quinn Snyder and Quinn Snyder's pretty well connected in Europe, obviously as well. My understanding is Schiller is very well connected in Europe, mm-hmm. and we'll get to know these young players and have other connections with coaches and who's coming up and who's available and who to look at, those types of things which could potentially help the Jazz and maybe sell Utah on some of these guys that end up being free agents down the line. Yep. Uh, Dean Cooper to work with the Jazz on some player person. Yeah, so former Jazz Stars coach now kind of moves up into the front office. Former uh, Stars uh, president, Bart Sharp, is now the senior VP of marketing for the Jazz. Uh, former Stars point guard Marcus Page has just signed a two-way contract with the Charlotte Hornets. Which I was surprised uh, by, but good for Marcus. Yeah, good for Marcus. He is one of my favorite people and also put up a 10.0 PER in the D-League last year. He's just not that good. Um, Ty right, Wallace but he makes $75,000 next year to play basketball. Yeah. And maybe more if they bring him up for a couple of practices right. and games. Which I'm skeptical of. But uh, anyway. Tyrone Wallace uh, also made some money, who I didn't think was an NBA player. Yeah, signed with the Clippers. I don't know if that's like a training camp deal or a two-way deal that hasn't been reported yet. Uh, but uh, So I guess that means that the, the Stars will have a new point guard next year. Um, J.J. O'Brien was drafted in the D-League the expansion draft. I'm so anti-J.J. O'Brien. Oh, really? He may be my least favorite basketball player why to like that i've watched a lot of oh you don't it's like JJ. very very robotic okay um it, it does like look like you're playing a old school video game where he does everything right but very slowly See, that's what i loved about him yeah i love that about him but the oh. nba doesn't allow threes like that in the, in the league so much anymore yeah. 
He just is not skilled enough to be a three in the NBA. Uh, also, Aaron Kraft, who never kind of realized that defensive potential that he showed when he was at Ohio State. Nope. Bryce Cotton has one of the best. I mean, if you did it all time, uh, I think, who did I just see that did this? Top 10 Clippers did this, I think. No, Portland did it. The top 10 dunks in Portland Trailblazers history. They just put it on Twitter yesterday. Mm-hmm. It was awesome. If you did it for the Jazz, Bryce Cotton would have one of those spots. Yeah, His alley oop left handed dunk that he had two years ago. Mm-hmm. It's one of the best dunks I've ever seen in NBA basketball, and he's not an NBA player either. Yeah. Uh, right. And then the Memphis Hustle selected uh, the Jimmer. Yeah. <laughs> Mr. Fredette. Uh, uh, his rights. His rights. He's not right. going to be playing there ever, which is a weird thing to do for Memphis to take on his rights, knowing he'll never play. He was like the 10th pick in this. He's selected in the 10th round. So okay. there's just like, I don't want any actual players. We'll just take Jimmer's rights. Uh, so. That's kind of the, the basic news around the NBA. Some small moves there. The, the training camp, the training staff, too. Um, oh, and that's a big news. And we did talk about this a little bit, I yeah. want to say, two weeks ago. The Jazz hiring a bunch of the training staff of the Phoenix Suns. Yeah, so Mike Elliott was hired as VP of Performance Healthcare. Uh, so that that's cool. And then Eric Waters is the new head athletic trainer. Brian Zettler uh, allegedly resigned because of personal whatever reasons after the playoffs but there was a lot of fans wondering why the jazz weren't staying healthier than they were right they were the worst team last year and in terms of win shares lost due to injuries and the front office desperately wants to change that around and there's no way better way to do it than hire someone from the sun's training staff uh and and eric waters has a good reputation as well so that's a good sign for the jazz i think that maybe more than any in anything the jazz did this summer is going to have a huge impact on what they're doing yep It's the Salt City Hoop Show. When we come back, the all-time jazz squad, ESPN 700. You're listening to Salt City Hoops on Utah's number one sports talk, ESPN 700. Salt City Hoop Show, ESPN 700. Andy Larson. Find him on Twitter at Andy B. Larson. You can find me on Twitter at Ben's Hoops. Uh, Read Andy at KSL.com. He's the managing editor of Salt City Hoops. Uh, the ESPN True Hoop affiliate. You can uh, read my articles every Tuesday at KSL.com, usually about the jazz. Like 90% of the jazz, every yeah. once in a while I write about something else. But uh, usually jazz. Sometimes related. you've got like the hot Utah and BYU takes. But Gotta have one every once in a while. Right. Uh, anyways. Gotta get paid. Uh, it's always fun to be writing. It's nice to be writing. <laughs> really yeah, no. nice to be writing. And uh, your, your work is good. Well, thank you. Your work is better. Which is why you do it full time. <laughs> but well deserved. Uh, anyways. Uh, a fun thing. I'm not a huge video game guy. I like yeah. them. I have a PlayStation Three, so I don't even have the newest okay. generation. But I have a Three. Do you have a Xbox I have One? I have an or Xbox F4? One. Okay, you're an Xbox guy. Uh, one of the games that's really popular amongst everybody here in the state of Utah is FIFA. FIFA's is this incredible. soccer game? Uh, I have, I have PlayStation spent Three. Was hundreds okay. of hours playing FIFA. Okay. I'm I'm excellent at it. Nobody you're cares. Ec- I'm but really bad at it. I'm. Excellent. I did win the MLS Cup, but uh, anyway, that doesn't matter. <laughs> Nobody cares about what I do on PlayStation 3. Anyways, uh, NBA 2K18, which is by far, NBA 2K is the biggest sports franchise behind Madden, probably. I mean, it, yeah. NBA FIFA's probably and huge, FIFA's too. up there. Uh, but 2K is a very highly anticipated game every year if you're not a f- basketball fan. But one of the things that they have done really well is they kind of incorporate these great all-time teams, and, and they've done, like, one year's team. They'll right. do, you know, an all-time jazz team, the right. 1997 Jazz. Yeah. And and you'll, you'll bring those players back, and you say, oh, cool, I get to play with Greg Foster. <laughs> Love I it. never thought I'd play him in an NBA game. Now, what they did this year <laughs> was they released the all-time roster for all 30 NBA teams, right? Correct. They didn't do yep. – I don't no, think the Sonics have a team. It's everybody. Right? Yeah. It's just the Oklahoma City Thunder, but they brought some of those Sonics players in, I believe. I could be wrong, but I think Good they question. did. Let me look uh, up. Maybe they didn't. That'd be too bad if they didn't. Be, uh, be weird they to did. 
Sean Larry, Camp Ray is on Allen that team. and Sean Camp okay. and Jack Sigma and Gary the whole Payton. Thing. Okay, cool. That's that's deserved, and, and they need to have that. Uh, one of the things, though, they did the Utah Jazz, fifteen greatest players in franchise history. We can make a list of these of who we would have gone, and we can go through who they actually added. Why, why don't we go through who they actually yeah. put on this list and where they got it wrong? Okay, so your your starting lineup is John Stockton, Pete Maravich, Adrian Dantley, okay. Carl Malone, and Mark Eaton. Okay, where is there a glaring problem? I don't see any glaring problems I agree. with that. I don't think there's a glaring problem. You can have conversations, and we're about to have those conversations, but you can't like begrudge any of those picks. Here's the thing. Resume-wise, there's no argument. Resume-wise, those five guys have the best resumes of any jazz player at those positions, no question. Yes. Stockton's a Hall of Famer. Maravich is a Hall of Famer. Dantley's a Hall of Famer. Carl's a Hall of Famer. Mark Eaton's a two-time Defensive Player of the Year and an All-Star. Yeah. absolutely belongs to be the Jazz starting center all time. It has the most blocks in a single season ever in NBA history and the highest right. average. That's the question is, is do you go with peak or do you go with career here, right? Correct. Because if you go by peak, Rudy Gobert is better now than Mark Eaton ever was. Yep. Ever. And right. honestly, if you throw Rudy Gobert now into 1988 NBA, holy cow, he would get 10 blocks a game. Yeah. Have you ever watched like Mark Eaton highlights? Oh, yeah. Like yeah, I, mean, he, I, I, I feel uh, bad because I sit, love Mark. Yeah, Mark's yeah. great. I sit, yeah, two seats next to him watching jazz games, and right. we talk all the time. But his game worked because the late '80s NBA was was stupid compared to today's NBA, right. where like every you know, no one's taking three point shots. Everyone goes within five feet of the rim. <laughs> Got to go right and at Mark. <laughs> Mark Eaton is, is a huge individual who right. can block those shots. Like. Right. If if Rudy Gobert is there and teams do the same thing, he gets ten blocks a game. Right. I really do believe that. You know how everyone said the sky hook was the unblockable shot. Right. Really, what was unblockable was that he took a shot fifteen feet away from the basket, and yes. big guys weren't doing that. Right. If you had Mehmet Okur in nineteen eighty six, yes, he would average fifty five points. <laughs> Not that many, <laughs> but you know he would have been a phenomenal player. Dan Issel, I think, was the first big man who kind of stepped out and shot the three, and people just had no idea what to do about it. It's like. Well, you just you move your center defensively out ten feet. Yeah, and then if you don't know how to stop the guy who's driving, then I mean that's really that's was, really what that the was the checkers was. game they were playing. Whereas very much you've got chess players now yeah. in the NBA. I agree with you. If it were me, Rudy Gobert would unquestionably be the starting player because he was a great pick and roll player. He averaged more points last year than I think Mark ever did in his career. Absolutely. So by a lot, by a lot. So Mark is great. Has a great resume. Really was an elite defensive player and an elite rim protector to the level of what Rudy is. The but thing, Rudy would have been even better if you were to switch him back then, and Mark would have had a hard time playing in this era. So uh, Mark Eaton's best year, scoring-wise, averaged 9.7 points per game yeah. uh, and shot 45% from the field. Okay. How he shoots 45% right. from the field seven despite being 7'4". Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> it's <laughs> it's crazy. a little bit disappointing. Then again, that's the old NBA. But right. Right. Uh and Rudy was what, 65% last year? Right. Best in the NBA, right? Best field goal percentage in the NBA or best effective field Second, goal? Second, I believe. Second, okay. Behind DeAndre. Okay, great. So, yeah, uh, there, I would take Rudy last year, even though he's never won Defensive Player of the Year, but I think he will in the next couple of seasons. I, I don't think by the time Rudy's career is over, if he's healthy, it's even a conversation that Rudy's the best center the Jazz have ever had. Yeah. Agreed. And in the modern NBA, I would put O'Kerr over. Mark Eaton. If I was starting a team, I would still probably put Okur there. Yeah. Now, Rudy Gobert is better than Memo ever was, too. By a lot. Uh, by a lot, right. Yeah. But, it, it, and we should read the bench because I think Memo deserves to be on this bench and he's not. But anyways, um, you're starting five, resume-wise, hard to argue. Yes. For career-wise, absolutely. For peak, 
Uh, would you do you you would put Adrian over Adrian Dantley over Gordon Hayward? I would put. Okay, let's go or over Andre this bench. Karolinko. Let's go over the let's bench over here, the and then we'll first. talk about All right, the some bench. of the issues because I think that's the big question. It's Darren Williams, Andre Karolinko, Rudy Gobert, Gordon Hayward, Daryl Griffith, Al Jefferson, Jeff Hornacek, Paul Millsap, Derek Favors, and Greg Ostertag. Uh, Greg Ostertag's not the third best Jazz center of all time. Ostertag is one of the six or seven worst players in the entire league to make one of these all-time teams. Yeah, some of these younger teams. The yeah, I wonder what like the Charlotte's Raptors. Team is. Charlotte has Raymond Felton on their team. You yeah. can really argue whether Kenny or not Oster Tag is better than than Raymond Felton. I mean, I think there's conversations to be had there. Uh, I, I but otherwise, yeah, Greg Oster Tag is easily <laughs> one of the worst players to ever be on this. Terrence list. Ross made t- Toronto's roster, which is hilarious. Yeah, right. Anyway, uh, so th- that's. That's one of the things to uh, to, to argue there. Ostertag shouldn't have been on. I saw a tweet today. I couldn't verify it. Uh, that the NBA 2K series doesn't have the rights to either Mehmet Okur or Carlos Boozer right now. Yeah, that's what they're saying. And, you know, there are some guys who are left out that, uh, you know, that is the best explanation. So, like, for, for uh, Portland, for example, they don't have Brendan Roy. Brendan Roy clearly is one of the 15 best Blazers of all time and no, just is no not doubt. there. For presumably contractual reasons. Okay. Who, now I'm a little bit surprised that they couldn't get Carlos Boozer in, in memo, right. but anyway. Uh, okay. So who who doesn't belong on this list that's on the Jazz bench right now? D. Will deserve, absolutely deserves to be there. Yeah. Darren Williams is a top six or seven all time Jazz player. Karolinko, no question, deserves to be there. Gobert should be there. Hayward should be there. Al Jefferson? I mean, I would take Boozer over Al Jefferson. I would too. I would take Paul Millsap over Al Jefferson. I would take Memo Kerr over Al Jefferson. Yeah. Uh, agreed. So Al, so, but if you can't have those guys. Al probably does start to get into that conversation a little bit. Yeah, Al's your like seventeenth man on this roster. He's uh, your two-way contract guy. You know what? Antoine Carr made the all-time Sacramento Kings roster. Really? Like, he was better with the Kings than he was when he was with the Jazz, but he was still pretty good when he was with the Jazz. All right, and he was a eight, he was rated eighty-four in the game. Ostertag right. was an eighty. So 80. yeah, you imagine peak Antoine Carr, which you know the Jazz got him at the end of his career where he clearly had lost a step. Here's Greg a bad, tag was better. Here's a bad rating on here. Jeff Hornacek was an 84. That's his yeah. overall overall rating. And to give you a, a sense, uh, Adrian Dantley was a 92 on this yeah. list. Al Jefferson was also an 84. Yeah. Antoine Carr also an 84. Jeff Hornacek is a better player was than either of those. Was a significantly better player than either of those guys. Yeah. Sign- I mean, as an all-star, was really, I mean, was the main piece in, the, I think, was, was he one of the main pieces in the Barkley trade? Yes. And deservedly so. He averaged twenty five and five for a season. I mean, he's one of the few guys who's ever done that in the yep. NBA. He's really a, a star player, and then one of the best shooters we've ever seen in the league. Uh, Al Jefferson probably shouldn't have been there. Favors, pretty early in his career, I wouldn't rule it out potentially, but he might be gone after this season. But again, they're doing up to this point. Yeah. So again, peak Derek Favors. Clearly, Carlos Boozer is better than peak Derek Favors. Yep. Um, I, I know you know there's the people don't like Carlos Boozer around here, sure. but. He was really good. Really, he was really good. He has an Olympic uh, gold medal, multi-time All-Star, yeah. max player. He was really good. Yeah. Reason uh, you won a couple of playoff series, made it to the Western Conference Finals with Boozer. He deserves to be on this list. Yeah. I think you have to take Paul Millsap over Derek Favors. Uh, maybe not what they did in their Jazz careers. That's a hard maybe. question. I might take. I'd still probably take Paul Millsap over okay. Favors in their Jazz careers. And then again, we get down to the bottom there, where Greg Ostertag shouldn't be on this list, and O'Kerr should have been there. Right. Uh, so the bench isn't bad. Starters. There's no question Stockton's your one. You can also throw one other guy we haven't mentioned, uh, Truck Robinson. Sure. His one season, not one all-star season with the Jazz was right. excellent oh. and led the NBA in rebounds. and, and uh, all that. A guy who absolutely should have been on this list that's not 
and should have been over Ostertag, should have been over Favors, uh, should have been over Al Jefferson, is Ricky Green. Okay, yeah. Made an all-star game, really a good player, small, quick guy in the 80s when there was a bunch of good, small, quick guys, but he made an all-star game Yep. In when Magic was in the NBA. Right. You know, I mean, he was really good. Uh, so K- Ricky Green was a name that I would have added to this list as well over some of those other players. Daryl Griffith is even kind of questionable being on this list. Daryl Griffith is really well regarded for what he did at Louisville mm-hmm. because he won a national championship and then was Rookie of the Year and for his dunks. But yeah, not necessarily because he was this great all-time player. And actually, you know what? You kind of get short on... Uh, this this roster has a lot of big men on it. You kind of are short on guards, so it'd right. be kind of nice to throw in a Ricky Green for you know, a no tag or something. Uh, you might take Thurl Bailey over Al Jefferson. Ooh, Thurl Bailey was re- or over Ostertag. I don't think I can go there. Uh, not over Al Jefferson. O- Ostertag, you can make that case. Thurl's best year with the Jazz. I I don't know who his best year was was with the Jazz. Nineteen points. Really? Was it that high? Yeah, he's really good. He had a two-year streak with the Jazz. 87-88 right. and 88-89 where he averaged, this, this is over that period, 19 points a game, six rebounds, two assists, and a block. I would take Thurl Bailey over Greg Ostertag. Okay. He just played behind Carl Malone. So it didn't look that great or played next yeah. to Carl Malone. That's, uh, that's I would have taken Thurl Bailey. Ostertag's career high, 6.8 points per game. Plus Thurl in that video no, 7. game 3, I'll with take the it. short shorts and the goggles. That'd be great. That would have been really cool. Okay, he's probably better than Daryl Griffith actually too. Uh, even though Daryl Griffith's start to his career was pretty good. Yeah. Okay, that's nitpicking. The real questionable spot here for a lot of Jazz fans is whether or not you put Adrian Dantley as the all-time best small forward in Jazz history. Resume-wise, there's not an argument. Actual game-wise, there's a big argument to be made for a couple of guys. And again, are you talking career or are you talking peak? Right, because you you have enough scoring on this roster with Stockton, Malone, and Maravich, right? So, like, if you wanted to make the best starting lineup, you probably put Andre Kirilenko there for the same reason that you put Andre Kirilenko in, you know, a modern NBA lineup and he'd kill it because of uh, what he brings on the defensive end of the floor. Uh, Like, that's a fun I think it's a better team if you put in Andre. Sure. I think it's also a better team if you put in Gordon Hayward. I agree. Uh. Adrian Dantley's offense, A, it doesn't work now. No. He's uh, Shabazz Muhammad. <laughs> right? I mean, he's a good Shabazz Muhammad, but he was a like low a post, post scorer. Yeah. Yeah. Shabazz Muhammad is like, anyway, uh, that's harsh, but I... But that's what Shabazz Muhammad is. I mean, he's a small forward who can't shoot. That's what Adrian Dantley was. He was a small forward who can't shoot, and that game is cool. It's an old man game, but old man game doesn't exist in the NBA anymore. That's yeah. not a thing you can have. Al Jefferson washed out of the league in a couple of seasons. Can't, yeah. can't play anymore. Julia Okafor was drafted number three, and, d- and nobody wants him. He's number three overall pick two years ago. Nobody wants him because he's got that old man game. It doesn't make any sense to have a guy like that. Do you think, you know, we always talk about the it going one way, right? Where uh, would these guys work in the modern NBA? Do you think, I don't know, do you think Gordon Hayward would be as good of a player no. in, in 1980s NBA? No. Do you think Paul Millsap, you know, like, where where does this, who wouldn't work as well? No I, no, I just don't think you see these guys who step out and shoot the three unless you allowed them to shoot the three back then. But again, the rules were nobody was shooting threes. All these players were in the three-point era besides Maravich, though. Right, Be, besides Maravich. It, it, some of those guys, I, I mean, Adrian Dantley, how many, what was the most threes taken per game when Adrian Dantley was playing? Like, yeah. Two, three. two and right. a half. Yeah. <laughs> Del Curry was taking three, three threes a game, and everyone thought his hair was on fire. <laughs> so I think in that sense, uh, some of those guys, and those guys would have learned to shoot. You know, yeah. that that's the hard part to, to to adapt these guys. 
you would have Carl would have had to step out and shoot the three, and he would have. He would have figured out how to do it because he had a good jump shot. You know, th- those guys learn those types of things. The interesting thing about Maravich, he took 15 career three-pointers. Final season of his career, he took 15, and he hit 10 of them. There's a chance he's the greatest shooter of all time, <laughs> and we just never got to watch him. I, you, I mean, you watch Maravich tapes now, and he's he clearly, to me, is a player that would absolutely work would in play today's today. NBA. No question about it. Just, like, has, has a flair, has a shooting ability, has... Uh, kind of honestly, a, a knowledge of the spacing that you right. kind of you don't see of of other players ahead of his time. Yeah, way ahead of his time. Uh, Stockton should be the guy. I think you should put Maravich at the two. Absolutely, even though he only played fifteen, sixteen, seventeen games in a Jazz uniform. More than uh, that in Utah. Okay, yeah, but but again, if Sean Kemp's going to be an Oklahoma City Thunder, <laughs> he played more games for the Cavaliers than he ever played in Oklahoma City. <laughs> so, but it, but that that's fine. I would have Maravich at the two, the three. I'm with you. If I'm actually just talking about the best team and the most dynamic team, I'm probably putting, if I get a peak season, 0304 Andre Kirilenko, I'm putting him as, as this jazz small forward. You go, you go Andre over Gordon. Even over Gordon Hayward there. Because with Maravich, you've got insane scoring. I mean, he what did Maravich average? What was his highest average in the NBA? Oh, uh, I, should, I can look. Stockton's up. was what? Not 20, but you know, Stockton was a 16 point Maravich's per game. Maravich's high was 31.1. 30, okay, so you've got... Two 30-point-per-game scores in your starting lineup in Carl and Maravich. And right. you've got a guy who can space the floor and create off the dribble in Maravich. You've got a guy who can obviously shoot the hell out of the ball in John Stockton. You have a wing defender who can guard one through four in Andre Karolinko and is a great passer on top of it. And then, yeah, you probably put Rudy Gobert at the five. Yeah, you, you don't need Dantley scoring that much. And again, it's, you know. Well, Dantley coming off the bench, though, now is your sixth man. That's, as your 30-point-per-game really microwave is awesome. Yeah. And Gordon Hayward's your two? Coming off the, off the bench? bench? With Darren Williams? As long as he's not throwing the ball at Gordon, you have a really good <laughs> roster. Besides, like, the chemistry issues you Millsaps have. Millsaps at the fine. four, you got a great team. You probably put Al at five if you want because you get you have four shooters around him then. It's like the starting 2009 yep, Jazz, exactly. which uh, fell apart real quick. Right. Once they traded their best the, the, Yeah, the 35-win Utah <laughs> Jazz yeah. is your bench. But, I mean, th- that's a really good roster that the yeah, Jazz could have there. Uh, the, the question is a small forward. Where would you go? What direction would you go? Is Gordon Hayward the best small forward to ever play for the Jazz? I love Andre too much. Like I think Andre makes too much sense in this sort of role. Uh and I know that like he kind of struggled as a role player, but I think if you get his buy-in, uh it, it just makes too much sense. If not, then I go Gordon and I go Adrian Dantley, a pretty distant third, especially in today's NBA. Because again, yeah, that, that post up game doesn't work. The, the the old man game, the six five small forward post ups. And there's a reason that's not a thing in the NBA. Right. Uh I think Charles Barkley, by the way, this is a off tangent. Tangent, yeah. Uh, but a lot of people wonder if he would work in today's wow. NBA. I think he would, even though he's short as a as a power forward, even you know six four guy. But I think he works because of his athleticism and his knowledge of you know it's how he worked with teammates and and those sorts of things. Uh, he wasn't just low post and and found other nope. ways to score. Uh, Dantley, you watch highlights, and I, I don't know that it works unless you're just trying to dump him the ball 20 times a game. Right, and that doesn't work. Uh, you're right, Charles Barkley, I mean, he shot, his high was 34%. He shot from the three, but if that was a shot that you worked into an offense, of that's, hey, we're going to find you this shot as a spot-up three-point shooter, and he shot three a game at that point, you could have seen that number climb up, and then he turns into Paul Millsap. Yeah. And a better version of Paul better, Millsap, right. truthfully. Uh, yeah, that's a kind of weird tangent. Hey, I wrote an article about this at KSL last year. Five jazz players that just weren't recognized for how good they were in their prime. And Thurl Bailey was on that list because Thurl Bailey could shoot. Thurl Bailey was a great 18 
foot shooter. So I get betting you at 6'11", he could have stepped back and hit that three. Uh, Del Curry was a guy who was not respected enough, who probably could have, I know he only played one season with the Jazz, I think, before he ended up in Charlotte. Yeah. Uh, in an expansion draft, I want to say, is actually how they end up getting him, too. I could be wrong on that. Uh, that was a guy who would have played more because he's a good three-point shooter. Kirilenko, Jerry Sloan, as great as he was, and no one in the NBA, I think, knew how to use Andre Kirilenko in his prime. Because Kirilenko no. now would have been one of those Giannis guys. He would yes. have been, you know, th- there was a couple of those players at that time. Josh Smith kind of flirted with that, the shot-blocking mm-hmm. small forward who could do everything, bring the ball up the floor. Uh, Gerald Wallace was doing it as well, both with Charlotte and Sacramento, I want to say, and with the team. Portland for a Portland second. Portland and Brooklyn, <laughs> everywhere <laughs> right. he played. But was one of those guys. And Karolinka was the best of those players before uh, his knee blew up and he started having back problems. Yeah. But Karolinka would have been... Absolutely incredible in, in today's NBA. Uh, O'Kerr would have been really good in today's NBA, too. He would have been even better now than he was the last three years of his NBA career because he would have been even more of a focus and you would have realized how quickly you could have used a guy like that. Yes. I think you know. I think teams would have exploited him more defensively. Uh, but, again, yeah. I, honestly, that's where I give Jerry credit, where he couldn't figure out how to use Andre Karolenko that well um, as, a, as a role player anyway, but he figured out how to use Memo really well, I think, more quickly than other coaches at that time would have. Uh, Especially was, as, as an old-school guy. Uh, as I've looked through some of these other rosters, because NBA 2K released their all-time rosters for every team in the NBA today, uh, there are not a lot of rosters, 1 through 15, that are better than what the Jazz have. No, I mean, you, you look at, it's you know, probably the Lakers is better. Uh, Lakers have the best starting five, and a lot of, de- but they, even they've got Derek Fisher on their list. You know, like, right. you get down to this point where your 15th best player in the NBA is not a great basketball player. Derek Fisher was not a great player ever. He was a good no, player, right. but he was never a great player. I mean, I would take the guards that are on this Jazz team, Adrian Dan, or I should say Daryl Griffith, Darren Williams, those guys coming off your the bench, bench over Derek Fisher. Sure. Uh, you're probably the most depth is Boston. You know, you've yeah, got right. Tommy Heinsohn at the bottom of it, and Antoine Walker makes a cut, which is great. Right. He has uh, like an 87 ranking, too. They yeah, that's kind of overrated him. That's Antoine Walker is a guy who looks awful in in new advanced stats, yeah. and and honestly, that's not surprising to anyone who actually kind of watched right. Antoine Walker play. Um, yeah, there are some weird rosters. I mean, like Stacey Ogman and Spud Webb made the Atlanta roster. Uh, There's some cool rosters too. Uh, yeah. Jerry Sloan is in this in this game, right? That's if your great. dream was and ever I'll... to get to play with Jerry Sloan for, with the. Show. I mean, you can put a lineup out there with Michael Jordan and Jerry Sloan and Dennis Rodman. <laughs> that can be <laughs> three guys you build your team around. I mean, that's just fun, and that that that's what what the the cool part about doing this in this game is. Yeah, uh, I, I'm trying to find again like the worst player. Brendan Haywood makes the Dallas roster. Yeah, love that. George Hill's on the Indiana team. JJ Barea makes the all time. JJ Barea makes the roster. That might be the, the worst roster. player. On this list, he, he is he worse than Ostertag? Uh, no. Ostertag, Ostertag had some really bright moments. Ostertag yeah. was a huge in the the years that the Jazz were able to knock out Elijah and the Rockets. Ostertag was pretty good. I mean, we think back of the the game six, the shot from Stockton. You watch that game. Ostertag was really good. Sean Bradley is the starting yeah. Dallas center. Da- D- it's crazy. Dallas has won a championship. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> it is yeah, really you look at this crazy. roster and you're like. This isn't a championship put, team oh, if you put together... Tyson Chandler should be the starting center on that team. Yeah. Because he was the starting center on that team that won a championship. And he's he's not in... I mean, he's he is on the bench. He's much he better should, than Sean Bradley. Yes. Uh, the the Bullets have both Manute Bull and George Mirasan. I love Manute Bull. Yeah, yeah. Gotta have Otto Manute Porter Bull. makes their list, by the way, yeah. Washington. Washington has some bad teams because they haven't been around that long. Yeah, so but, I get it. You know, they've got Elvin Hayes. they got Wes Unsell. They don't have like, Michael, do they? Uh, No. Do they have Sheed? 
the one year that they had Rasheed Wallace or two years they had Rasheed Wallace? I wonder Wallace? if... The, is there any player on multiple teams? Yeah, there's a couple players that I saw that, that I heard were on multiple teams. Uh, is like is Kareem on Milwaukee? He is. And he's a starting lineup, and he's Lake. Kareem. He's not. I thought they would keep him as Lou Alcindor, but even uh, then, okay. I think every time he's in the NBA, he was already a Kareem. I could be wrong. It was. I think it was after his rookie season. Okay, he changed, so he changed yeah. his name. So there are some players who did get to play on multiple rosters. In fact, Hornacek might be a guy who ended up making multiple rosters. Good question: Is he on Philly, or is uh, he on Phoenix, or Phoenix? Let's let's find out. He is he is on Phoenix. He's an eighty six for Phoenix. Oh, he's better. The eighty four, which makes sense. Like, yeah, he was better, but yeah. he was he found his ideal fit, not being a star. Anyways, that's a lot of video game talk. I just the the big it's debate fun. that you saw on Twitter was the small forward. I don't think you're wrong putting either Kirilenko or Hayward at the starting three. I I mean that team. If you were to roll out that team, the current five, starting five that they have on this game with Stockton, Maravich, Dantley, Malone, and Eaton. They would get destroyed in the modern NBA. Yes. They wouldn't be good enough. But if you were to replace Eaton with Gobert and the small forward with either Hayward or Karolinko, that team would compete for a championship. Let me ask you this one. You've got the Lakers starting lineup, uh, which I'll find here shortly. How about let's start with the San Antonio starting lineup, which is Tony Parker, George Gervin, Kawhi Leonard, Tim Duncan, and David Robinson. Okay. And you've got Manu coming off the bench. That's, That's a very good team. Or you've got the Lakers, which I gotta find it here is is Magic, Jerry West, Kobe Bryant, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, and Shaquille O'Neal. Kareem's there four. Kareem is there four. Uh-huh. Would you put Kareem at four or at five next to? Sh- you gotta have Shaq as your. Five. Gotta have Shaq. Yeah. Who would I take between those two teams? Yeah. I'd take the Lakers. You take the Lakers. Yeah, that's probably right. They're a good team. That's what's yeah. fun, though. We finally get to have these answers. And then I would take the Bulls team, probably even that starting five, even though it's weird and doesn't have a center that's anywhere close. To, to the Shacks or the Duncans or the David Robinsons of the world. Yeah, it's Artis Gilmore. Yeah, who had, like, one good season in Chicago. It was good. He, is he on the uh, Spurs team, too? Uh, Artis Gilmore? Let's see. He is. as 85. He's a 93 for the Bulls. Wow. Yeah. Okay, then. Anyways, all right. <laughs> that's a lot of <laughs> basketball talk. Let's buy this game. I'll buy a PlayStation 4. Or okay. I guess you play Xbox. Yeah. We'll just sim these games. We'll just you run can come sims. Up, last year, Zach came over to my house, and we played NBA 2K. Okay. I'd love it. I have to figure out how to use that Xbox controller. That's fine. Thanks to everybody who sat with us while we talked video games for the last 25 minutes. We weren't talking video games. We were talking all-time NBA great sure. rosters. Ricky Green should have been I'll on defend the this conversation. Team. Yes. All-star point guard should have been there. Ricky. Over Daryl Griffith. Yeah. And over Al Jefferson and Greg Ostertag. Over Greg Ostertag, who doesn't belong anywhere near this. But. All right. But we're going to get back to actual NBA talk when we come back. Andy got a quick walk through the uh, Vivint Smart Home Arena. We'll talk about what he saw. Coming up next, it's the Salt City Hoop Show on ESPN 700. Back to the analytics, opinions, and best breakdown of the Utah Jazz and the NBA. This is Salt City Hoops on Utah's number one sports talk, ESPN 700. Salt City Hoop Show, ESPN 700. He's Andy Larson, the managing editor of Salt City Hoops. Find him on Twitter at Andy B. Larson. I'm Ben Anderson. Tweet at me at Ben's Hoops. Always love to hear your tweets, your thoughts. You can give us a call, 877-353-0700. You are the number one guy now, I say, in the state of Utah as far as breaking news, and in in the world as far as breaking news about the Utah Jazz. Wow. You had the jerseys. I think you had the the light-up jazz logo before anyway. I would say I'm the best at breaking the business news. I, I got the business side of the well, Utah Jazz down. Yeah, you're not Woj or Shams I'm now. Not, exactly. You're not going to break the trades. But how often has a Jazz trade been broken before those guys did it? Yeah, I mean, 
Rarely. One, ever, Marvin yeah. Williams, Devin Harris. I think that trade got broken randomly by a local radio guy. Hmm. That was it. It just doesn't happen very right. often unless it's somebody in the know. And it's Woj, and it usually comes from the other side. Anyways, uh, so yeah, you're the number one guy when it comes to breaking news. That's why you got to follow you on Twitter at Andy B. Larson uh, and deserved. I mean, you, you're you're working your little butt off there. But today, you got to go work your butt off with the president of the Utah Jazz, Steve Starks. You got a tour through the arena, the yeah. Smart Home Arena, which is going to be one of the cooler new arenas in the NBA now. Yeah, so you know, obviously, there's the 125 million dollar renovation, and I hadn't gotten a, a chance to see it. You know, they they've basically tried to do these tours every two months or so to kind of give us an update on on what's happening on in, in the in the construction. And there's a clock right as you enter. It says 21 days, 10 hours, three minutes left. Right, like it keeps counting down how much time there is until. The the Oakland construction people have to give the key to the arena to Larry H. Miller so they can start you know preparing for for jazz games and the concerts and everything like that, uh, and so that's three weeks away that this arena has to be done by. And uh, first of all, you know there's clearly still a lot of work to go, but there's there's some cool stuff happening. Um, first of all, the big thing today was that they are putting that big 14 by 21 foot jazz notes yeah. right as you walk in. Light it up. Clearly, they want people to like meet there, hang out there, take pictures there, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Um, I think it'll be cool. And it's actually on the better side of the arena than the the statues are on. Yeah. So like the statues are kind of hidden. They're in a weird spot, and they're on the ugly side. They're of the on arena. the secondary entrance. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and this is going to be the main entrance with more tickets and and the the jazz uh, fan store and and box offices and everything like that. Um, so yeah, but it's cool. cool. The, the J is cool. It looks uh, yeah. very much like a piece of modern art that they've, they've thrown out there. Yeah. And I like that. I, I also really like, from a fan's perspective, what they've done in terms of opening up that sixth level, the level above the upper bowl for concourses and stuff. They've got some, like, standing room only. I, I guess seats is the wrong word, but uh, places Space. for people to stand. Yeah, With a little, uh, with little bars. They can, yeah, with, yeah, exactly, a little food and drink bars in front of you. Then they'll sell tickets for that for some games, and then for other tickets, you, right. anyone will be able to when stand Golden there. When Golden State's here, when LeBron's in town, those Playoffs. tickets sell for, what, 35 bucks, 40 bucks, maybe more than that? Uh, those, like, upper yeah. corner ones? Yeah. I would say even less than that. Which is yeah. awesome. Yeah. Because standing, I mean, you're going to be standing. A lot of people want to go, especially the younger people who can afford, who can't afford to sit on the lower bowl. Yeah, they want to go to a game. They want to have fun and be loud, and they want they want to stand. Yes. So they're going to want to go stand and have some drinks up there. I love that. I like I stand for RSL games, right. annoying the people behind me, yeah. but uh, oh well. Uh, like yeah, this is if you want to be in the game, like standing is actually a really cool way to do it. Um. I remember when I was a jazz fan, like in the upper bowl corners, and I would stand up, and people behind me would yell. One time that there were these Chicago Bulls fans behind me, and it, again in here in Salt Lake City, and they yelled at me to sit down. I'm yeah. like, "This is my arena. It's not mine, but I I was a jazz fan. You're you're visiting. I went to the Jazz Suns season ender, 2003 2004. Okay, Jazz didn't play Karolinko. They did play Curtis Borcher. The real disappointing. Uh, and yeah, like I think I stood up during the during the lineups, and the guy behind me told me to sit down, and I was young, so I sat down. But it was like oh, the this the I was young, so lineup. I I turned around and like gave him a piece of my mind. Huh. That's how I was. That's then. why I don't. That's why I don't mess with you, Andy. That's why I let you <laughs> be your do your thing. I don't try and get in your way because you're tougher than I am by yes, a lot. Uh, but it's sixteen cool. year old Andy thought he was like really tough. Very tough. But that that standing room only is gonna be fun. Those yeah. are th- that would be fun. Not to you know what? It's actually a good place to take a date because it's not great seats. But you're not going there to show off. You have great seats. You're going there to have a drink and leave in the third quarter if you want to. Right. And then you can't see that you left tickets on the 18th row. Right. That's a good spot. 
Um, I love that they've removed the doors from all the portals, so it all you can kind of see the, the arena bowl from everywhere on the con- and the concourse, team that does its cool. best is Sacramento, right? Yeah, when you Sacramento's walk in the new door, arena is very neat. You just uh, see right onto the floor. Ditto with Brooklyn. Okay, it has kind of the same setup. They're going for that. Um, restaurants we kind of knew about. They have got El Chabasco's, Maxwell's, Cubby's, and R and R in each yeah. corner. Uh, they also announced Hires Big H has got their own like big concession stand on the upper bowl, so it's good to see those fans get uh, again more concession options. Um, they have little ticket self scanners when you come in, right. which is kind of cool. That I like, hope is faster. I hope is faster too. At least like you can put in. It's cheaper to put those in compared to having more ticket scanner people, right? Ushers. Right. Uh, but we'll see how it goes. I'm 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 optimistic that that will be good. I think so too, because that's how most things are. Most things are automated now. I right. haven't gone to a checkout stand at a grocery store in five years. Yeah, because it's faster. It's faster to do the self checkout, even if I have fifty things in my bag. Yes. So I think for the most part, some people will struggle with it. I'm sure there will be people there to help still. Yeah. But uh, yeah, for everyone who's younger who uses flash seats or whatever you do to get your tickets, it will be a lot faster. There's not flash seats anymore, by the, the way. The Jazz gone. moved over to Ticketmaster, which right. they'll still have flash seat capabilities, I guess. Right. You'll still be able to sell or transfer your tickets. You'll still be able to have your ticket on your phone. But anyway. Uh, and speaking of which, with that uh, Wi-Fi installed in the arena next which year. Which is really good. Yeah. Uh, media, it's fun to have it. I mean, it's nice to be able to have your laptop there. Not that you're going to take your laptop to a jazz game uh, unless on. you're 16-year-old Andy Larson. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I would have but, loved that. Yeah, but yeah, if you want to be on the phone and tweeting and have this full interactive experience and doing whatever you want to do, you should be able to do it, and now you will. Yep. Uh, that's good. They've, they've done a nice job with this arena. And it yeah. seems like Oakland's done a great job, too. It sounds like it's going to get done on time. And in fact, we've got uh, a mention from Steve Starks, uh, president of the Utah Jazz, while we're on the show. Uh one of the fans, one of our fans, listeners, Edric Ty asked from decreased arena capacity to new cushion seats. Are we surrendering the NBA's loudest arena? You know, because they are putting in the cushion right. seats. The the capacity will be about uh, high 18,000s, low 19,000s is what I heard today. And Steve says, no, what makes the arena loud is the pitch of the bull, the, the steepness of the seats. Yeah. It was designed for basketball, not hockey, so our fans are closer. That hasn't changed. Shout out to Steve. Yeah. Responding to your tweets. Love it. Or tweets at you. And Edric for uh, tweeting at you as well. Yeah. Mr. Edric Ty. You can always tweet at us. At Andy <laughs> B. Larson. Tweet at me as well. At Ben's Hoops. Uh, no, I mean, the, the Jazz do this stuff right, though. Mm-hmm. That's something that the Jazz have always done well. They've been smart with how they built this arena. They're finding a way to get another 20 years out of this thing. They updated it a lot quicker than I thought they were going to after they added all those new restaurants and the bars and the taverns that they added. Yeah. I thought they would sit on that for a decade, and they didn't. They doubled down, it's True, which is something that Gail Miller's been doing really good. She's been willing to spend a lot of the money they have, which is nice, including on downtown, which is even better. Yeah, uh, right. So now Steve Starks is, is part of the, the leadership team on the Homeless Project, which I think is neat, uh, the, the Rio Grande, moving the homeless and figuring out new places for them. Which I drove um, by today on my way up here because I always come from that direction when I'm yeah. coming up here, and it, it looked better. Yeah. Improvements. Cool. That's good. And then if the, the Millers are going to donate $10 million or match up to $10 million, people will step up and make those, and that's a great, that's a yeah. great cause. That, right. That they're giving $10 million of their own money to help the homeless and everything else in Salt Lake City is great. A uh, couple of construction things I haven't seen yet that I'm excited to see. First of all, uh, the new Zions Bank Basketball Center, the Jazz Practice practice right. Facility with all of their new um, stuff is, is supposed to be really, really cool. It's like a Google um, University. Like it's, yeah. it's the whole world that you go live at. Exactly. Yeah. So it's got the barber chair. It's got the video right. game spot. You know, it's, exactly. You're, you're, they're trying to keep your employees as happy as possible, um, which when they're basketball players matters because right. they're worth millions and millions of dollars. Right. 
Uh, and then we, I still haven't seen uh, the the club stuff, which I don't really care that much about. You know, no. I'm I'm an upper bowl, upper bowl, upper bowl corner kind of guy. So right. Uh, but I haven't seen the locker room yet, and that's being redone as well to kind of be a a really circular team feel. I've seen uh, renderings, but I haven't seen you know the actual finished product yet. And they're redoing the uh, opposing locker room as well. Yeah, which so is one... they're gonna make uh, maybe not identical, but make the opposing locker room a lot better. And kind it's of the... really small if you've never been in yeah. there. It's really really small. And the, and the rationale there is you want people and players when they come to your arena, you want them to have a good time because I mean, sure, it may make them more uncomfortable when they but you're auditioning are playing against them, the but future. you're auditioning for them in free agency. Yep. And if they have good facilities there, then you know they may be more likely to come to Utah when when the time comes. I think the Jazz have been very progressive on how they're going to attract future free agents. And again, here's the thing: you add, I don't know how much it costs to build an opposing locker room or yeah. build up. It might cost ten million dollars to redo the Zion's Bank Basketball Center or more. Yeah. But you get that one guy who signs with you because of those things, and it's, you're not going to get LeBron to sign with you because of those things. But you get that one guy to come in and change your season for three years because he helps you win playoff series that nobody thought Joe Ingles was going to be as good as he was, or here's from Ricky Rubio, a guy who plays in Europe right now and wants to end up with the Jazz, or Donovan Mitchell, for some reason, wants to end up with the Jazz for whatever good piece of news he's heard about this team, and he's good for you for the next 10 years and outplays his contract by $2 million every season, you make that money back. Yeah. By one Plus, player. it's not salary cap money, right? Like, the Jazz make so much money as right. is because right. of... The uh, modern NBA. The modern NBA, right. Yep. And an NBA TV deal that makes $24 billion over the course of nine years. Plus, you've got revenue sharing. So, right. you're also making money from the Lakers' local TV deal, which is $2 right. billion itself. Right. So Plus, you, the added salary cap that you get the increased... Uh, when teams go over, they disperse right. that money across the league. So, when you see these teams paying huge... Uh, the luxury tax, the luxury tax is yeah. good. I mean, that's all good that's, for the Jazz. That all goes exactly. So, uh, the Jazz will make money, and you know, spending 125 million dollars is. I don't want to minimize it. It's a big deal. But the reason they can afford that is because the Jazz make a lot of money because yep. uh, revenue sharing and everything else I just said. And it's also a great property to own now because you own a huge downtown a block, block of, the, <laughs> of a downtown yeah. city, which doesn't exist anywhere else. Or at least you're paying the lease on it to somebody else who owns it, which is the church, I believe, locally. But uh, yeah, at least they got the loan. The on the arena, the arena land? originally, Actually, at least originally, know. do they they own it now? I thought I thought the Millers own the land too, but I'm not sure. Uh, anyways, so the, they're in good shape, and it's smart to make these investments because now you can avoid building a billion dollar arena for another twenty years. Yes, and then you have to figure out another city block to buy or buy the fairgrounds or whatever you decide to do. But that's a long ways off. But that's a lot of money, yes. so it's better to invest this money now and try and get another twenty years out of it, which I think they will. You think it's going to be a better experience for a fan? Yeah, I do. I, I mean, obviously, there's like the cushion seats and stuff like that. If, if you're an Upper Bowl fan in one of those corners, things are awesome for you. Yeah. Um, if you're honestly, if you just like going to restaurants before the game, I think like some of those food options are really great. And honestly, just when you walk in, it should be a lot easier for you to get your tickets and go in and, and see the, the, the bowl right away. It should be a lot of fun. I think it'll be good. And it sounds like it'll be better for concerts and things as well, which if that's what you're here for, and that is another huge yeah. section of their summer and things they have to do. I mean, throughout the year, they have concerts when the Jazz are on the road. That stuff matters as well. Yeah, I, I'm curious. They they have kind of redone the sound systems. I, I think it was January or February they put in a new bass system okay. uh, in the arena, and I wonder how. I haven't been to a concert, honestly, in the arena since then. All right. When we come back, uh, rookie ballots went out. What did other rookies have to say about Donovan Mitchell? We'll tell you. And high-level tampering in the NBA that could really change the future of what this league looks like over the next decade. We'll talk about it. Coming up next, it's the Salt City Hoop Show, ESPN 700. 
The home of the best Utah Jazz and NBA breakdown is right here. This is Salt City Hoops on Utah's number one sports talk, ESPN 700. Dude, we can do karaoke, right? Yeah. Yes, we lost Zach, unfortunately. He was going to be uh, karaoke. Sorry, but I bet he comes back. I bet we, not long term, but I bet he visits. Yes. Uh, Salt City Hoop Show, ESPN 700. Andy Larson, the star, and me, Ben Anderson. Find us on Twitter at Andy B. Larson. You can tweet at me at Ben's Hoops. Uh, NBA rookie survey came out. They survey all the rookies on several different questions. They like to put it out. Do they do this during the photo shoot? Do they send yeah. these guys emails? Yeah, so they do kind of the NBA rookie symposium where they teach them, you know, not to do drugs and how to use their money and all that kind sure. of stuff. And then also have them fill out this this survey in the meantime. Which there have been some notoriously bad NBA rookie symposium visitors. Who was it who fell asleep? Somebody fell asleep during the middle of it. And I can't. Yeah, I, 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 I remember that story, and I don't remember who it was. The other thing is maybe we shouldn't trust them because it, they haven't correctly picked the rookie of the year since 2007. Okay. I, I think a lot of it's probably based off of, first of all, a lot of these guys haven't played against each other since AAU, if they've ever played against each other at all, mm-hmm. because a lot of these guys are one-and-done college players. You just don't run into everybody I mean, anymore. B, I think they too frequently think that college is going to translate, right? Like... I think like someone voted that Cinderius Thornwell would be rookie of the year next year. I like Cinderius Thornwell and he has zero chance at it, right? Somebody voted Tony Bradley. Okay, Tony Bradley That's ridiculous. has absolutely no shot of being I mean Tony Bradley yeah. he's not going to get 10 minutes a game next year. So and he's got no chance to be rookie of the year. And furthermore, players were not allowed to vote for themselves, college right. teammates or NBA teammates. So it's not so like Donovan some Mitchell didn't North vote Carolina guy who's voting for Tony Bradley. Right. It's Donovan Mitchell didn't even get to vote for him because they're NBA teammates. Right, right. So it wasn't even like who's this voting will be for good Tony for Bradley. Right. That's what I want to know. But anyway, yeah. So who will be the 2017-18 Kia Rookie of the Year? Dennis Smith Jr. of Dallas was your number one selection, 25 percent. Lonzo yep. Ball comes in at 20 percent. Markel Fultz for the 76ers gets 17 percent, and then Kyle Kuzma, Donovan Mitchell, and Ben Simmons all get 5.7 percent, which I'd assume is what two votes. Yeah. And then everyone else who got received a vote got one vote. Here's what's surprising to me. De'Aaron Fox only got one vote. Yeah, Josh Jackson only got one. Jason Tatum only getting one vote is actually more surprising to me than De'Aaron Fox, huh. especially based on how good Jason Tatum was in Summer League. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm surprised like Kuzma got two votes and Jason Tatum only got one. Here, here's the thing to look for. Look for guys who score the ball, because that's the only number we care about is points, and then guys who are on bad teams. Yes. So guys who are going to get to play 20 minutes or more and can score the ball. Dennis Smith makes a ton of sense there. Yep. Lonzo Ball makes a ton of sense there, even though yep. his gonna he might lead the league in assists next year. No. Lonzo Ball. He doesn't have anyone who can finish those plays. Kyle Kuzma shoots fifty eight percent from the three <laughs> point line, man. Did you not watch the summer league? I did. Uh I watched all four games. Lonzo Ball is going to be in the top ten in assists at the end of next year. And I bet okay. he's pretty close top to top ten's fine. I bet he's I mean Yeah, he might get eight a game. Right, which is enormous. And he'll be in the conversation for finishing with the lead. Sure. Right? No, okay. James uh, Harden, Chris Paul. The, okay, the, it was a bad statement. Okay, who would you take system. for rookie of the year? Lonzo Ball. I think Lonzo okay. Ball is going to be the best rookie. Okay. I take Ben Simmons. Okay. Uh, I also might put Markel Fultz in that. In that. I, I think Lonzo Ball's a, a clear third for me. Even though I think Lonzo Ball will be a better pro, I think for those scoring reasons you mentioned, uh, a, alongside a, a, I think, a better... Philly team, that's going to be easier to vote for a Rookie of the Year. Um, oh, see, I think it's harder to vote for a Rookie of the Year there. On a good team? In Philly. Uh-oh. Yeah, I, I get why Malcolm Brogdon won it last year. He was probably the best rookie last year, and he was on a good team in Milwaukee. Uh, I think you're going to have guys who average 20 points, close to 20 points a game next year that are rookies. 
Dennis Smith Jr. specifically. Right. He yep. will get close to that. Okay. Uh, I think it's going to be hard for Ben Simmons to get as much attention as he may because he has another guy who's on the team who might win it right. in Markel Fultz. And Markel Fultz might just be better than Ben Simmons is. Yeah, that's possible. Uh, so I, I would probably go with Lonzo Ball. I think he's going to be the best rookie next year. Dennis Smith Jr. probably number two, and then Fultz, uh, Markel Fultz three. I like how much these answers change, by the way, when they ask which rookie will have the best career. Uh, number one, Lonzo Ball gets 18%, tied with Jason Tatum. Then who guys who come in. Only got one rookie of the year vote. It's crazy. Guys who come in at number three, Josh Jackson, Dennis Smith. Guys who come in at five, just De'Aaron Fox. And then number six, Markel Fultz, Harry Giles, and Ben Simmons. Harry Giles, obviously the interesting name there. Picked 20th overall, I want to say, by the Sacramento Kings, but obviously beloved uh, before he got all injured his senior year of high school. Duke players have gotten this, uh, have led the vote in this four straight years along with Jabari Parker, Jaleel Okafor, and, and Brandon Ingram. Hmm. Just... I don't know what that says, but none of those guys I don't think will be the best players from their drafts. Uh, agreed. Others receiving votes. You did see Donovan Mitchell get a vote there, as did uh, former Ute yeah. Kyle Kuzma. Which rookie was the biggest steal where he was selected in the draft? And this is where the Jazz did very well. In fact, they had the number one overall pick, Our, Donovan Mitchell. Yeah, Donovan uh, Mitchell first. Almost 19%. Dennis Smith came in with 13%. John Collins of Atlanta, who had a bunch of cool dunks in the summer league, came in at yeah. 12%. Jordan uh, Bell is another good one. Kyle Kuzma finishes fifth. Sindarius Thornwell, Thornwell sixth. Uh, Monte Morris, Harry, Gile, uh, Harry Giles, Devon Reed. I mean, uh, I don't know how you say Jason Tatum will be the biggest steal at number three, but we'll see. Uh, I could argue that Lonzo Ball is the biggest steal at number two if he becomes a franchise player. Sure. And you pick the point guard in front of him. And kind of Michael Jordan. You know, Michael yeah. Jordan's the biggest steal we've ever seen. Now, you know, Clyde Drexler wasn't drafted in front of him. He was drafted the year before. But again, Michael Jordan's the biggest steal. Uh, just and he was drafted number three overall. Yeah. Which rookie's the most athletic? This one's not hard at all. Dennis Smith Jr. comes in at number one. He's a freak. He's going to win the dunk contest this year. Terrence Ferguson from Oklahoma City comes in at number two. Uh, well, you've got real questions about Terrence Ferguson never seeing the floor. I do, yeah. John Collins comes in at three. Again, a lot of great dunks in Atlanta. Donovan Mitchell comes in at number six, tied with Jonathan Isaac with 5%, meaning he probably got two or three votes there. Yep. Which uh, rookie's the best shooter? Luke Kennard from Detroit comes in at number one. Not many good shooters in this draft. No. Uh, and he gets nearly half the vote Luke Kennard does. Donovan Mitchell again gets another vote. You've got guys like Laurie Markkinen in there who might be my answer. Kyle Kuzma, I get that he shot so well in Summer League. He uh, is not going to get that. It was tied with Tyler Lydon, who is garbage in Summer League, uh, is also not the best. Shooter Donovan Mitchell comes in third for best defender and uh, doesn't get a vote for best playmaker. Big That's thanks it. to Emily producing the Salt City Hoop Show. He's Andy Larson. I'm Ben Anderson. Back next Thursday. Wednesday night at Rio Tinto Stadium, RSL picked up three big points by beating the Earthquakes. Louise with a shot, and a goal! Cuts it far post, and a goal. What a strike by Savarino! Up next, RSL entertains Rocky Mountain rival Colorado on Saturday night. Kickoff from the Riot at 8, here on ESPN 700.